To another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And Barry, we are into season four. Isn't this exciting? We are. We are. It's, it's episode 145. Season four. Season hit, four. Hitting the ground running, and uh, there's no stopping us. Um, just want to announce we have a new patron. Uh, we'd like to welcome Rory Cox to the That Record Got Me High family. Yes, I sent Rory a body message this afternoon. I saw that. Very nice. And uh, you too can become a patron. How do they become a patron, Barry? Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and click the join button and you can, for as little as a dollar a month, help support our efforts at That Record Got Me High. Now, yes. in our starting our fourth year. There you go. And I was excited for Rory, Barry, because Rory just made it in under the wire to get the new, because I just sent a new newsletter out today, and Rory got excellent, it. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, that's exciting. Yep. All right. So we have a guest tonight, and I do not know this guest, but I think you know this guest, right? I, I do you know, know this guest. Uh, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Matt Gorney. I live in Orlando, Florida. And uh, my connection is to Barry Stock, who I met back in 1981, probably within a month of moving to yeah to Orlando from upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're one of the Orlando crew. I'm one of the yeah OG, am, basically. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I am not a. You know, I didn't go to school in Orlando, high school in Orlando, uh, but I moved down. Not long after high school. Yeah. And and uh, I just came to Orlando to check it out. Upstate New York was, you know, 1981 was a pretty grim. I mean, it was psychically grim in addition <laughs> to being economically grim. And yeah. there was this opportunity to like, do you want to come with us? My family moved down here. And I was already at a SUNY college in New York. I was due to become voted in as the station manager of the college radio station and i still split yeah because it was so grim up there yeah uh. and and it was really just a trial balloon coming to orlando uh i had been here on my senior class trip and it was like i know it's nice and uh upstate new york for most of the year is not aside from the summertime and yeah. the beginning of fall and I got here and I had these things that were going to make me stay. It was like, 
I, I was surrounded by great college radio stations where I came from. And uh, that was the thing. There better be college radio, for one. And two, even more important probably, were record stores. And I got here, and within a few weeks, it was like, the, you know, that had been filled in on the bingo card. Yep. Like, okay. And the third thing is, the people I met were incredibly nice and hospitable. Uh, to a new person, which is not something that happened in upstate New York. It, yeah. it, really? I didn't, I didn't oh. think there was something that happened in Florida either, but I guess yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Central Florida is no. different than our, our um, hard-edged urban, urban sure. South right, Florida. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So I met this, this really fun, peculiar group of people. And I don't know if I'm... Would bet Barry doesn't remember how I met him. I think but it was we, I, I think we hilarious. were hilarious. Were we not in a? I mean, I always associate our friendship as beginning in a either Record City or in a used record store. But that may not Absolutely. be. No, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So uh, the the first used record store mm-hmm. in Orlando, uh, and the, and the, my first record store job actually ended up getting hired there was this place called Backtrack Records. Yeah. And I walked, I'd been in there a couple of times probably already, and I already liked it. And it was a block away from just the best new record store. Right. Record City. Record City, a block away on the other side of the Highlight Fronton. So in one trip, you would go used, new, you would have amazing cutouts in yeah. Record City. Yeah. Uh, great import section, great jazz section. Yep. And the employees were ridiculous. Like this quirky assemblage of employees that work there. That's right. Wow. In Orlando. Wow. This is a yeah. revelation no, to me. Orlando. Really, I had no idea. I had no idea. Really great. And and the people were accommodating and nice. And this was not something I was used to in my teens growing <laughs> no. up. Yeah. I'm serious. So I walk into this, this used record store. But by the way, Barry didn't work at, but when I walked in, he was behind the counter dropping the needle on different tracks yeah. on, <laughs> on, on magazine so, correct use of soap. Oh, there and we air go. And guitaring along with it. There and, we and, go. But, it, but, but what I didn't realize is he didn't work there. No. But right. there he was behind the counter, and it was like, well, this is part and parcel of these people I'm meeting. <laughs> I'm picturing... <laughs> High Fidelity. I'm picturing like a, a scene from the movie yeah. High Fidelity a lot, a lot like with uh, Jack Black and yeah, yeah. exactly. Probably um, it's it hysterical. was probably I think it was more properly it was better lit. It had better lighting, and um, but there was it was that did Brian work there at the yeah. time? Brian Borhog. So was, Brian would be the guy who would allow you, not an employee, to be behind. Oh, the counter. of course, yeah. Right. That's awesome. Super so now, super cool guy. So, so now, Matt, are you a musician too? Did you play in a band then, or were you just a uh, like a music? I, I was gonna, I was gonna end up being one of those guys that that got in a band uh, after moving there, and this is all related to one of one of the other guests. I think uh, actually both Nadim Khan and Tony Christie have been on. That's right. This podcast. Yeah. So they have a, kind of a, a underground. You know, sort of a New York underground funk band. Right. Um, you know, kind of almost like a 9-9 Records type of tribal underground funk That's group. right. Operation Bellbottom. That came Operation up in uh, yeah, both, yeah. The, both of their episodes featured the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the infamous story, which I, I you know, uh, about that gig. 
that it was an incredibly quirky group. And Tony, by the way, Tony Christie, the, the attribution wasn't really made, but you know, Tony Christie really founded the uh, the alternative music format at right. WPOK. Oh yeah, he was the guy. Before that, it was a, a you know a community service uh, classical station. Then it shut. Yeah. It went off the air early. Yep. And Tony Christie did all the heavy lifting and actually started the underground format that exists to this day on that station. So. Yeah, and and by the way, the first time I ever went down there was because Barry, uh, by the way, who was like probably seventeen, is like, yeah. let's go down to the station. I'm like, you can't just go to a radio station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I because in Orlando you can. Well, you know, I was on Cowboy Radio, and our door was locked, and there was the buzzer. But here we just walked in and walked into the control room and met these guys. Yep. But I had heard them play on the air. They yeah. Would, they would rehearse in the record library. And another DJ dragged mics in, and they just played on the air. And I'm like, "That's yeah. the thing." And I ended up being a replacement mem- band member in, in, up with these gentlemen. And uh, now I'm in a ba- underground band. So that, oh, okay. that was my. That was a re- by the way, that was a really long answer to me just asking if you played in a band there. But <laughs> yeah, you got some. Kind of, but you know what? He brought in. He brought in two previous guests and uh, okay. the whole Orlando. Yeah. There's a whole. And there's. It's a. There's a book. There to be yeah, written. All right, but now, but we're not going to do that book tonight. We're, we're not. Talk, so let's. I got to read this in. So, I'm so feeling Matt, we're going to edit heavily. <laughs> what are we gonna? What are we going to talk about tonight, uh, Matt? What oh, a, a record that really immediately struck me is XTC's third album, uh, Drums and Wires, that came out in 1979. That's right. Yes. And uh, yeah, this definitely when me and Barry first started the show, I, I this was one of the list, ones. Yeah, yeah, I made a list of records definitely that I wanted to do, and this was on that list. And it took a look at it. it three took us years, like four year, yeah, three years. Oh, to great. Do it. Yeah, because Rob, you graduated in 1980, correct? 81. I oh, 81. Okay, yeah. so I'm 80. You're 81, and Barry is 82. 82. Yeah, 82. Okay, so I mean, our experiences on are going to be pretty similar. Yeah. It's the sweet. Uh, it's the sweet spot. And this was so. Was this your first? Because this was, I believe, the first XCC record that I got. And same here. Heard was yeah, this me too. One. Yeah, drums yeah, and same here. Yeah, the previous two records were not easy to find. No, I, mean, it, I, I had seen them and handled them for a lot of money in import sections <laughs> as a teenager. Right. But you know, I I grew up a humble. A humble child, you know, in a family of, uh, of with five other siblings, and and the way we bought records as friends was was so strategic. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Because if one of your friends had it, you didn't need to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I wasn't the guy who bought drums and wires. It was my friend Tom that did. And for us, it was about a, tw- it was about a fifty mile round trip. Right, because you lived in Whitney Point, right, which is beautiful. Right, way <laughs> off in the middle of nowhere. So for us to go to our record stores to do the used record store, which was a quirky place in in the Binghamton area, and then to go to the new record stores, we had about a fifty mile plus round trip. Four friends would pile on a car, and we would all platoon our buys. Yep, and. So, so you, this record is a new release, and it's my friend Tom who buys it, not me. Yeah. Now, do, I, do you remember? Was it just was it bought because you'd heard like had you heard it on one of the college station maybe? No. That you heard making plans for Nigel. No, no, it was just no. This uh, was some total intel business. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, we're me- we're reading 
you know, we're reading text and artwork and producers and almost the aura of a record. Yeah. You know, you were buying stuff on just intelligence, basically you know, gathered intelligence. And what's so important here is that it was on Virgin. Yep. And, and that was countenance. Right. That it was on Virgin Records. Okay. So first of all, I, I'm talking, my friend Tom picked it up the scissor man album art with the logo yeah he sees that virgin records yeah and it had because it was a new release it had the extra single shrink wrap to the front that's and right. he's just like i'm buying this yeah that's that's all we needed to know it's yeah. all he needed to know yeah and, and he absolutely hit the biggest home run with this one mm-hmm. yeah yeah i ended so, up uh, i ended up i actually bought ended up hearing about X, hearing XTC sort of the same way and it was from the and Matt will know exactly what I'm talking about the new the import singles box on the front counter at um, Record City, Record City yeah. where you would go in and just and that's uh, yeah. and I picked up the Making Plans for Nigel single I looked at it the cover it, the artwork must have been interesting the band's name attracted me XTC you know right. that's very interesting Took it home, was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty great." Then I I, I bought drums and wires, and and off, you know was off and running with them. Right. And Rob, uh, your first listen. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I know there was a uh, there was a local show that used to be um, on down here called Radio Free Living Room, and I discovered a lot of new bands from that. And that I heard XTC probably uh, making plans for Nigel. Yeah, but I went out to Record Land. We yep. had here in uh, South Florida right. Record Land, and uh, yeah, I got it. But mine, I'm kind of bummed. Mine didn't have the extra single, the bonus. Single. Yeah, I d- I don't think my copy did either. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. in the in the initial right issue that 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 bonus the uh you know the uh, chain of command limelight single it was i mean anytime you got extra stuff you know when you when you were of of humble means Uh, it was just like gravy oh yeah it was like bonus yeah yeah you 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 went for quantity yeah sometimes (laughs) well sometimes i would buy yeah double record or a live thing just because it had more More songs right (laughs) right yeah um all right so this uh this is important because it's their third record, and it's the first one with uh, Dave Gregory, where they added right. oh, okay. Dave Gregory, it replaced the original keyboardist Barry Andrews. Right. And so you got Andy Partridge and uh, Colin Moulding, uh, the um, you know the two main guys, and then they added Dave Gregory, and you got Terry Chambers on drums. But this is we all got the U.S. one. Yeah. Which which it, it's funny when I, when I'm look when I'm when I was looking over the tracks and everything, I realized they stacked in the U.S. one. They stacked. Colin songs, Colin Moulding songs on the first side. Yes, they and did. And it's like, you could tell at this point, and, and it's not even something he hid. Andy Partridge was very jealous of <laughs> attention that Colin Moulding got for yes. his song. Yes, he was. And it's not taking anything away from Andy Partridge because he's brilliant, he's a genius, but he's also, and, and uh, have you guys, you, I know, Barry, you've seen a documentary, that XCC documentary. It's great. It's really good. Um, I... I wish I could. I don't think I have. I oh, have. Okay. I have a. At this point, I have a different relationship with XTC than I did in 1981. So for me, um, it's. I have a period of time where I really enjoy their records, and then there's a period of time that I think of as after Andy Partridge had you been told he was a genius enough times to ruin things. 
And <laughs> so... <laughs> now, have you, have, I, have you seen that documentary, Matt? Have you seen I that? haven't. And it was one of the... One of those things, you know, I don't have, uh, it's on what Cinemax or was. Or, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, it's hard yeah. to find. I forget how I actually ended up seeing it, but it was I, hard to find. I was going to see it at a dinner party <laughs> with another super fan and it just right. never happened. Yeah. So. It's good, but it's funny how much, uh, you know, obviously Andy Partridge had a big hand in it doing it. And, and I always love when people do, they're a part of it, but it still doesn't help them come across very no. bad. <laughs> Yeah, no. like, oh, he, you know, it wasn't like anyone did it, you know, behind his back or anything. It's just he, he just comes across right. badly. And you have to remember, there's the famous story about Andy is that there. This is a different Andy Partridge than the one that made what was it? What was the record? Uh, well, there's there's Black white Sea. Music, there's white, uh, well, no, Black oh, Sea, right, okay. and then English Settlement. Where was the tour? Right, right. Where was the tour? Where, oh, it was the drums and it was this drums and wires tour, basically. Right, that where, he, where the where girlfriend he, threw away his Valium, flushed his it Valium, down the toilet, yeah. and, and he had a mental breakdown. Yeah. So yeah, there were some dates for English Settlement. They did some live shows, and that's where it really all fell apart. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then they would do. They were going to radio stations and doing like acoustic things and yeah. things, but just he just couldn't. He couldn't handle it. He, couldn't he, he deal has with terrible it. stage fright, and right. he doesn't enjoy being Anxiety. in front of an audience. Yeah, because yeah. right. um, of Xanax withdrawal. Yeah, uh, which he openly talks about now. Which is it's it's kind of almost it's not a relief, but it explains so much for, for to the fan. It right. does. It, it does, and to his yeah, to, to his credit, he does. Uh, yeah, he does uh, talk about it and everything. But at the end of the day, take all that out. I still think he's kind of a prick. No, I think so. <laughs> I, you know, who cares? As True. many as many, yeah. as many super creative artistic yeah. people are. Yeah. You know, we can't. Well, argue. I think he's he falls in the control freak category yeah. where totally, totally, which which. Which is hard when you have a band. It would be one thing if he was the main songwriter and that was it. He was a songwriter. He was the main guy. Sure. But you have this other guy that's Who's also really extremely great talented. Yes. And, and writes great songs. And, and is a great of, bass player if, too. Yeah. So. And instead of right. embracing that, you you know, but maybe the, part of it, maybe that's what makes uh, at least this record's right. Yeah. Quirky yeah, yeah. and awesome, and yeah. it's got this edge. All right, so let's 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 do it. We because we bought the U.S. version, we get the song that that isn't even on uh, the the original U.K. pressing of it, and this is a fucking great song. It's a great opener to the record. Uh, let's listen to the opening track. Life begins at the hop.
So uh, a, a Colin song. It's a Colin song, but with uh, Andy singing. And, uh, it's a, and, and it's a it's a wholesome English version of Jerry Lee Lewis's High School Confidential. So yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they're name checking uh, Danny and the Juniors at, at the hop. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. It's, it's like a super catchy celebration of like rock and roll for like young people, you know. Yeah. It, it, but it's, it's got that weird little guitar solo. Which oh, is, I love that that muted that yeah. muted where he mutes the strings and it's great. A yeah, really yeah. odd little guitar solo for something that you know you was, you think about bands um, a song this catchy you would be thinking about radio play and somebody saying to him oh no you have to do a, you know you have to do a regular guitar solo oh, no. but they just do this little no, odd the, little thing. The best four four bar guitar solos. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah. They're, they're all all these little four bar, these these little uh, solos and figures are totally genius. I mean, yeah, this is like a hallmark of this record, and, and it's like they nail it in four bars. I mean, yeah. this is like a, this is like some martial arts fights that are finished in like four blows. <laughs> you know, I mean that's all that needs to be done. Yeah, there's yeah, no, yeah. Right. There's well, no more language needed. I remember seeing, and I think you can probably find it on the you know the ever present YouTube. There's some XTC live footage from maybe from this tour. They're playing outdoors, maybe opening for the police, as a matter of fact. And there's. They're opening um, the show, and it's with the it's sort of an instrumental thing, and Dave Gregory's playing a solo, and and it's ast- astonishing. He's doing things that you never ever hear him do in XTC songs. He's a really really incredibly gifted guitar player that in a and it gets kind of subsumed into the XTC world of. You know, um, providing just what's necessary for these songs, right? But him letting loose was—I I had no idea. I was like, "Oh my god, l- yeah. w- what is this?" Sure, right. yeah. And the and the complicated game book, you know, Andy Partridge talks that you know Dave Gregory like schooled him on the Yes albums, and I mean, so clearly oh, yeah. that's uh, kind yeah. of his provenance was yeah. uh, prog right, rock, right, right. yeah, with prog rock, and you hear none of it. No. On this record, no. This is well, <laughs> well. What this record is more than any of their other albums is Andy Partridge. His favorite professed, self-professed favorite record is "Drop Mask Replica" by Captain Beefheart. Right. And so the textures of the guitars and the way they're played on this record most closely resembles that in a very poppy way. Right. Like yes, a, a right, pop right. version, and it's in in the guitars, the way they're mixed, it's so simple. And this is nothing new. It's a very seventies idea, yeah, of mixing the guitars and hard panning them. Yep. But they and but they're so clean, and it's it's just amazing dialogue between the two channels and mm-hmm. the two guitars. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's so such good guitar interplay throughout the whole record. And um, all right, so now we get song number two. We get the uh, and. Andy Par- super super clever Andy Partridge uh, lyrics with hyper like hyperactive is, yeah. lyrics. Yes, yes, this yes. Is, this is by the way, this is really where the album starts. You know, Life Begins at the Hop is a single right. that was back right. on at the front, 
Life Begins at the Hump is a, is a really catchy, quirky record, but it really doesn't fit the album. Right. This is this is the album starting, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, okay. Ah, okay, that's kind of a hot take, but all right, I'll accept <laughs> that. All right, let's listen to uh, Helicopter. I love how the song, how the music has like a, a whirling helicopter feel to it. You know, right. it's so clever. It's so great. And by the way, I thought, you know, there's so many versions of this. I thought we were going to hear Making Plans for Nigel next as the album opener. You know, is one of the versions of the record opens with that. But. Now, the, oh, what okay. I, I went by the Wikipedia entry for the original U.S. U.S. one. Yeah. I see. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, Nigel is next. But the thing about, the interesting thing about uh, um, Helicopter is he wrote the lyrics after the art, based on the artwork for a Lego, a cover of a Lego's box. Or, oh, or, which I had like okay. kids playing on it, and I think the girl maybe had a crazy look on her face, <laughs> and, and she's got a Lego helicopter, and you know, so he made constructed an entire scenario. Um, That's great, at, based on that cover, and it's got the. Actually, I faded out before the. Uh, um, my favorite lyric um, from the song is, "Now she's away from convent. She's gone wild." She's turned from a nice young lady to a child. Um, and it's just an odd little, oh, you know, you think about this. That is, yeah. <laughs> escaping from convent and becoming this psychopathic yeah. um, right. something. And he's got the real, the clever wordplay because he goes, I object to all the air mail that she pick up. <laughs> the air mail, but she spells it air mail, M-A-L-E. And yeah, uh, yeah it's great. It's this, great. This is not the... You know the point of view of the star athlete from the school. It know, is not this is somebody no, no. from outside the bubble looking in, and, and you hear it in the lyrics. Uh, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. He's he the he's the nerdy yeah. kid, um, he possibly sex obsessed nerdy kid. That's you know, right? Seeing all this and making so, you know commenting on it. Yeah. So those are those were his issues. Now, Colin Mold, apparently Colin Molding had other issues to deal with, and that uh, comes up in this next song. This is the uh, the breakthrough. This ended up being their breakthrough single, really. Uh, again, written and sung by Colin Molding. Let's listen to Making Plans for Nigel. Where only 
through Facebook Messenger and hearing the songs play through it. The codec is clearly tuned for the human voice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and oh, right. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> sounds like shit, does it? Yes, well, I'm sure it, it does. What it sounds like is a, is a damaged, like, neutron biphase with making play yes. through Nigel running uh, through it, which is kind of hilarious. It could the also listeners, be, The listeners won't hear that. Though, yeah, so and it could be um, also that I'm feeding you guys both channels and it could be trying to interpolate both the left and the right side. So yeah. I'll keep that in mind in the future. It, it, sounds, all, it, it sounds like a black art version of... <laughs> we've of all, but we've all heard this. We've all listened to this. Oh, show. yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know why I, this song immediately strikes me personally. I mean, my personal thing is I didn't come to XTC like this is the most outrageous thing I'd ever heard. This was actually sort of a revelation because it was basically a new wave pop record yeah. that was as great as the Stranger yeah. records that I've been absorbing. Right. So my thing wasn't like this opened me to the world of experimental music. This was seeing a great pop band yeah. playing experimental music. Okay, interesting, and interesting. Because for me, I, you know, I I had the luxury of having much older brothers and sisters, and and the stuff that was in the house when I was a little kid was just training. And you know, the first album I ever bought with my own money was a mother's invention album. There you go. Hard. And, and so I, I was already a warped little kid. Yep. And, uh, I had just found in the used record store in the Binghamton area, I just picked this record up and it looked great. I dropped the needle on it and I just like, couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it was spouse four. Oh, okay. So, so I had found the front end of, of, you know, what what most people refer to as crop rock. rock. That's right. Before this. Just by it, happenstance. By happenstance. And then I ran out and got the So Fire import and my friend Tom got the first Faustel and we started filling them in. So when I listen to this again, if you listen to what's going on in the right channel, you have a new wave pop group. Right. 
And when you listen to what's going on in the left channel, is these basic, you know, sort of like straight eight crowd rock pulses. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. One channel pop band, other channel crowd rock bands. Yes. And it's a catchy ass song with great drum sounds. Uh, oh, and uh, also Andy Partridge complained. Uh, uh, this was not from the documentary. I, I just I was reading uh, about the album making making of the album. He complained that we spent seems like we spent an entire week or two right, weeks right. an entire week making <laughs> Nigel, and the rest of the record was made in like you know four days or something. Right, like that. and he was fuming like that they were ignoring his songs and they were paying so much attention. But obviously, somebody somebody was like, "That's the that's new, that's yeah, the one." Right. And uh, so it, uh, the lyrics, it's it's interesting because they're also slightly, I guess, auto, uh, autobiographical because it's about uh, parental domination. Mm. And apparently Colin Molding had this thing where he felt like his parents were sort of, you know, had had, <laughs> had his future mapped out for him. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't crazy about it. Uh, one thing uh, uh, that I wanted to mention about the beat, it's got that backwards sort of drum yeah. beat. And I wanted to mention that the uh, Pixies, I believe the Pixies lifted it a little for Bone Machine. The song Bone Machine has a very similar backwards drumming Entirely opening Entirely possible, yes. Yeah, and I think they did. And uh, the, the main reason I want to point that out is because so many bands have lifted, afterwards have lifted things from the Pixies that it's nice to, to find, find out where they, that the Pixies, where their the source material, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people will relate this to the Devo Satisfaction. True, which I think yeah, that yeah, they part. actually yeah. said flat out that yeah we were trying to do something like right. that drum beat yeah. yeah like that right right exactly it, yeah and there are so many attestations where people will talk about hearing the nigel drum beat and 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 using it in some form or fashion you know one of the fall drummers is like oh yeah totally copied <laughs> i mean so it was like yes yes it you know this was a incredibly influential song yeah for both the performance but production wise yeah Exactly. This is not a new wave band. No. You know, they have become something much bigger. And by the way, and you go back and fill in the first two XCC records, and that was a quirky band with with interesting songs in places and some promise. And you get to this record, and it's like you're looking. It's almost like... uh, you go away in the spring for summer vacation and, yes. and the kid comes back yeah. and is like got a beard. 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like a thyroid case and he's completely manifested yeah, to something that's else. That's exactly how it is. Because those first two records have satisfying moments and then they have right. they have irritating moments as well. Right. Where and, it's and, just all too clever and yeah. it's and you go, Oh my god. But and then, it's also really hyper and all over the place. It, it and then, is, uh, yeah. they reined everything in for this one, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All, right, all right, so now we have another Collins song. They, Like I said, they stacked the Collins songs on the first side in this. And um, another, like, quick... They're, they're very... One of their niches is the is the sweet but quirky love song. Indeed. It's basically, it's basically a love song, but it's a little quirky. Let's listen to a little bit of Ten Feet Tall. Ten feet tall. 
There's another that, like you said, yeah, the four bar guitar solo. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. Right let me there. let that me ask you guys. Um, really? Uh, I, I just it's perfection. It's it really it's like really perfection. really good. Um. All right. So let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, just just a great, you know, a very uh, a very a very clever but simple, you know, love song. Yeah. Well, here, you know, here's the, the the thing about these Collins songs is if you listen to the Collins songs on the first two albums, he is trying to fit into the the Andy Partridge, yeah, for band, sure, right? Yes. And right. with this, it's like this guy's getting his own voice. Yes. And they're yeah. very kind of plain spoken. I, for the most part, kind of very plain spoken ideas that anybody can grab onto. Right. And they're supported by a, just a stunningly great band. Yes. And and his uh, vocal interpretations are good. But I was thinking about this, and it kind of reminds me of like these kink songs that people love so much. You know, the lyrics of all of these kink songs are not the most clever things in the world, but it's the. <laughs> what? what? Wait a second. What? <laughs> but it's like the articulation. It's in the delivery. In these songs. Yes. Yeah, it's in the delivery, right? I mean, this is, you know, these aren't necessarily Matt, the great This is a of simple, world. this is a, it's a Matt simple. Matt coming out with some hot takes. Uh. <laughs> but it's just like, listen to, and I'm not saying Colin, you know, Colin is, at this point, he's not exactly Ray Davies, but Ray Davies takes these very simple, approachable, you know, yes. earthy, uh, absorbable ideas and articulates them in a way you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And, and this is what Colin is becoming at this point. Yep. Okay. Agree. I guess I can sort of say what you're saying. All right. He's not uh, dissing. He's not dissing the kinks. He's, no, he's comparing the, it's, it's the presentation in a way that my dander, uh, my dander was getting up a little. No, the, the, <laughs> all right. So the kinks uh, don't try too hard. Is exactly. What that's you know what that's a much better way to say it. That's much <laughs> All right, let me uh, we, let's take a little break. I, I have to calm down a little anyway, and uh, <laughs> right. so let's take a quick little break. Uh, we'll be back. We are talking to Matt Gorney. We're talking about FCC drums and wires. We'll be back in a minute. My friend, we are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Is this tomorrow? People turning south from the freeway were startled when they saw three flying saucers high over Hollywood Boulevard. Is this tomorrow? A woman, startled by the sight in the sky, telephones the police. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. Saucers seen over Hollywood. Is this tomorrow.com? Flying saucers seen over Washington, D.C. The army convoy moved into the field. Rockets were quickly set up. Keanu Tom Edwards, in charge of saucer field activities, was to make the greatest decision of his career. He went to his, this, tomorrow.com. He made that decision. Colonel Edwards gave the signal to fire. Then as swiftly as they had come, they were gone. Even to the piercing aisle radar and the speeding jet fighters. Is this tomorrow is a weekly webcomic. 
kind of like if Edward could draw, and was still alive, and had a webcomic, is this tomorrow at is this tomorrow.com. Like if Edward could draw, and was still alive, and had a webcomic, is this tomorrow at is this tomorrow.com. Alright, we are back. This is that record got me high. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We're talking to Matt Gorney, and we're up to uh song number five on Drums and Wires. Let's hear a little bit of When You're Near Me, I Have Difficulty. songs have definitely have a more frantic feel to them yes Collins, right he wrote this about a, a a woman that he was a girl i'm gonna just say a girl he was actually obsessed with somewhat i believe this was the story and so that uh he um had particularly strong feelings for her and I, I, the vibe i get from this is sort of you know the um daniel johnston had that woman who he wrote uh Oh, all his songs all about. his songs about, and, the, <laughs> right. and she had no idea. She was completely yes. unaware that he had yes, any interest. Right, right. And so, um, I think this is one of those situations because I don't she think she probably it's, didn't know either. Yeah. No idea. I think that's really common. The the sort of like the muse that doesn't know they're the muse. Yes. You know, right. Todd, Todd Rundgren tells the same story. People are like, where did all those great ideas come from? It's like oh. one piece of heartbreak. Wow. Early. And that's right, it, right. that was the. You know that was the source of all that stuff he claims was mm. like one single heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. At least Todd was a little more cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, you know, I heard this at seventeen. Man, I'm no better at this 
yeah. relationship thing oh, yeah, than, yeah, than no. Andy Partridge Not was. I can't laugh at him at no. all. Was, <laughs> it, if anything, it was like, you know, th- this was like my idea of what a love song really was. Basically, oh, yes. right, right, right. I, I, I was certainly in the same boat where it was like, Clueless is not even <laughs> still, strong you know enough. Some, some would say, we're still clueless, Barry. Some, some might say that. Some um, might say. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out about this, as in so many of their songs, it they're great already. They got a great chorus and verse, and then they got a fantastic bridge. Yeah, oh my like God. Bridge, was like, I used yeah. to be an Iceman. A Living lot of these songs in an Iceman town. great yeah. bridges to them that just, yeah, really elevate them. And this yeah. one has a, this has a gear shift at the end, too, doesn't it? I think he jumps up oh, a yeah. half step at the end. Back to the, you know, it's back to the motoric thing. You know, it's that crap rock. It's <laughs> also got, well, there's a little bit of a ska thing going on in this one right. too, um, yes. which English beats sort of. Get up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Um, and the other thing is for a band that had a dedicated keyboard player that was playing, you know, these sort of 16th note arpeggios yeah. and holding down these yeah. timbrely nasty chords. Yeah. That's all replaced by like this Korg mini Korg 700S, you know, like simple monophonic <laughs> analog synthesizer yep. played by the lead guitarist on occasion. Yeah. And it's just so funny to hear well, we were a keyboard band, and oh, now this is what what right. represents keyboards in this group. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, Barry Andrews was probably you know better served out of XTC anyway. He went on to form Shriekback, right. who made some really really cool records. Which oh, um, great, great Shriekback. Awesome if they, they those played, put some records, if they get put on at a plate at a club now, they're you know the the yeah. uh, side yeah, totally sidelines are cleared. Totally uh, different, yeah. Completely, oh, different. Oh, completely different. Yes, right. So, so yeah, the, I, I love in the uh, your episode with uh, yes, fragile, the gentleman from Matt Tripsy. Wilson. Oh yeah. yeah, Matt Wilson describing their, you know, describing their their sort of like their their peacocking as angry arpeggios, and I kind of think <laughs> right, I, I remember that, that. just because you know that. it's such a. A beautiful spiritual band in so many ways, but really musically, <laughs> yeah, it is advanced in angry arpeggios, and I think that you know Barry Andrews was trying to put the angry arpeggios. I think he was too. Game. Yeah. Well, remember, and after this, he plays for you know he plays a stint in, with Robert Fripp in the uh, League of Gentlemen, playing uh, and playing angry arpeggios right. along with right. Robert Fripp's angry arpeggios. Right. And right. Uh, you know, so he um and then Shriek, so wanna- Shriek Back had a whole their own particular vibe you know right right all right so we get the final song on side one and of course it's another colin molding song they put four of his songs out of six on side one which i'm sure andy must have been bothered by that too uh so this this is what i was saying uh, colin having issues about when he was a child because again we got this thing where he's being told do this do that do this do that (laughs) a little bit of that is the way
that is the way that it's done. Yes, another conf- anti, you know, pushing, you know, struggling against the weight of a British, I'm assuming, sort of middle class conformity that he's right, uh, right. Uh, been, you know. And but there's a spot in the uh, second, in the second verse there where Andy Partridge, I, I'm assuming, starts playing a, a, a nastier little guitar chord up underneath what's going on. So the first verse has a, it's all sort of sweetness and light. And then all of a sudden, Andy starts playing something a little more dissonant. Um, right, gives right. Gives it a, a little, little drama. Right. And then you got the horn that... Uh, oh, yeah. Flugel horn, like a flugel horn, which adds a, a little uh, melancholy, loungy feel to it. Uh, it to does. The song. I remember when, I, yeah, being young and listening to this and just thinking, wow, that's, you know, because a lot of this, uh, like, uh, kind of like what you were saying, Matt. I mean, I was listening to all different kinds of punk bands and, and new music, but this definitely had a little different... They, they came at it from a, a different uh, perspective, and maybe I, I wasn't listening to any other bands that that were so poppy, yet you know it was uh, uh, poppy quirky. quirky. Yeah, right. yeah, but but in a very uh, palatable way to listen to it. You there, know, yeah, it's worth noting this at this point. There's only a handful of quote unquote new wave bands that right that are frankly anything more than just kind of quirky. Right, right, exactly. Right, right, right. Not yes. many at this point. Yeah, you and, can all. We can think of the one-hit wonders who had, you know, uh, uh, yeah, vapors. The like vapors, the, the exactly vapors, what exactly. I was thinking. The vapors, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you had uh, um, seventy-nine. Wow, um, early days. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, so there's a handful of groups at this point that are really have their own voice, and I mean, so obviously, Talking Heads are already around. Yes, but, right. So something happened to me when I was a teenager. So we had our places to buy records, and there was this really cynical to us an older guy who was probably in his mid to late twenties mm-hmm. that managed this record store, and he was running a surreptitious import indie record bin. It was his, and he would unveil it like two nights a week. You'd have to come <laughs> into. This is so funny, and who wouldn't love to buy records yeah, from this guy? For sure. right? I know. So I you know. would go into your secret record store inside the record store. This guy had a had a vinyl cover on it. This kind of like uh, this board with with boxes in it, and he'd take the vinyl cover off, and you would shop all his his new releases, and he would nice. order stuff for you. So he this his name was Jay. And, and shout out to Jay. And he, to us, was like, we were just young and really enthusiastic. And he was this kind of burnt dude. But he did this uh, he did this little travelogue through all these major label records that had been, through A&R, had been turned into new wave records. Uh, and they were various rock guys and singer-songwriters. Yeah. And they would have the, you know, colored lights on the cover and give mm-hmm. them skinny ties. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, give them a haircut, new haircut. Yeah, a new haircut. <laughs> so he does this little travelogue. He's actually holding these things up and going through them one by one and just ripping them apart for being fake new wave records. Yeah. Ah, so, that's funny. So in this year, there is an absolute glut it's just pollution yeah. yes. of, of these fake new wave records. Yep. And most of them, you know, you can't find two good minutes on these records, no. ultimately, historically. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, the first Huey Lewis in the news record, they were being sold as a fake new wave band. Yes. You know? Skinny and, and, ties and all. Yeah, the whole bit. And, and everybody was playing, like, you know, these sort of, like, 
you know, these uh, pumping eights, straight yep. eights, you know, Paul Muter's guitar. Yeah, yeah, And it was just all code, you yes. know, and there was no, there was nothing happening. Yes. We, so hearing this we record. We made the disco record, now we got to make the new wave record. Right. Yep. So when you heard a record like this, to me it was like, oh, this is, even though they're coming out of that scene, uh, ostensibly, this is really serious in comparison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we're uh, not talking. We haven't. You know, we're not talking about any of those records for a reason, because <laughs> exactly. um, this exactly. record was a. This is a. Is a. You know, this is a landmark in 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 pop music. This record coming out, even though some of their you know some of their later records um, probably would rate more highly. To people who um, listeners well, and as, as as you said, how how influential the production on this was. Their next record, Black Sea, Black was sea. Oh, usually yeah, yeah. influential yeah. just as far as the production, because so many bands heard at that time said oh, we want to sound just like that sounds. You yeah, know, uh, exactly. that drum That's how Steve Steve Lily White, you know, got exactly. hired for the next exactly. five years. All right, so we flipped the record over, and and this is interesting. As we've learned, Barry, uh, the use of surveillance car- uh, cameras, yes, uh, right. CCTV, was already prevalent in the UK in the late seventies, and, and yep. a lot of punk bands were writing about it then. And this yeah. is this is about that also. This is real by real. Forget, and it's that um, there's Colin Molding's bass playing in this is very heavily dub influenced. It is oh, he's playing okay. a okay. he's playing a dub reggae bass line under this hyperactive, you know, kinetic pop song, and that's one of the things that makes this not your average new wave record. Is that he's a really incredible bass player. He's in the McCartney oh, yeah. McCartney so good. League. So good. 
of like, oh, I would never have thought to play that as a bass right. player. And right. also that Andy Partridge in the in the um, it, it's maybe it's Andy or uh, uh, maybe it's um, Dave Gregory, but someone in the right channel is playing some very demented guitar in this as well. There's very odd guitar chords going on that are mixed so far off to the right that you don't unless you listen for it, you don't go, oh wow, that's really really odd. Right. Um, and that's sort of their stock and trade is hiding that weirdness under this under this these beautiful melodies and these um, attractive shiny things right. and then bouncy uh, very bouncy catchy uh, yeah stuff and up underneath that there's some yeah. really there's some really different stuff going on you know the uh, the thing I'll add here is the drums you you yeah. are so this is a great place to talk about the drums on drums and wires yes because you know, we're you're in the same room. The drums are being recorded in the same room as the famous Phil Collins drum sound. <laughs> yes, so that's this right. Is, this is Townhouse Studios Studio Two, which has the, Stones, the famous high stone, stone walls or whatever stone yeah. room. Yeah, which they overstoned supposedly when oh. they built it. So they wanted to have a room that that had the natural reverb of all those 70s records that were made on location in castles and chateaus. Exactly. You know, that was the trend. Yes. So they could get that drum sound in a more controlled fashion right. in a in an engineered drum room. And so that you know, they put the stones in and they put the mortar in and re- and the story is is after they this stuff dried and they played drums in there and listened to it and recorded it it was too hot <laughs> yeah. and, and somebody wanted to actually go back and fix it ah. and they said no we spent too much time and yeah, we spent too much it. we spent too much money we must use yeah. the way it is yes and that became the that short super yes. hot reverb sound of the room itself so the other thing is, so it's that same room that the famous, you know, the yeah. Phil Collins oh, yeah. drum beat from Intruder on on the, Peter the Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same room. They're it's all the, recording in there. It's the same console. It's the SSL 4000 console. And the console had gates on every strip. So mm-hmm. you're hearing about yep. half of the famous Phil Collins drum sound yep. before that happened. <laughs> you're hearing the... the reverb of the stone room yeah you're hearing uh, some of you know some of the gating chosen that you'll hear on the phil collins famous that drum right, sound right the only thing you're not hearing is is them wiring in that talkback mic oh and put it smashing it with compression to get to get oh. that part uh. that's that hasn't happened yet and that had to be manipulated because that listen that listen back mic was was heavily compressed so you wouldn't blow people's ears out in the control room. <laughs> and so they had this incredibly aggressive compression, but they heard it, you know, Hugh Pagum and Peter Gabriel heard it when Phil Collins was talking and playing and they're like, that's Ooh, the drum sound. Yeah, we got to use so, that. So supposedly they had to go to SSL and ask them how to wire, wire that. Wire this, in, yes, a P, yeah. the, uh, intercom system into right. the board into the board for recording. So we're hearing about, you know, half or two thirds of that famous sound uh, before you would hear it from 
the, and uh, records yep. that were um, a few, a couple, at least a, cu- a couple of years down the road. Right. Yeah. And I should mention that, yeah, the Stone Room, there's the code here. The Stone Room, the famous drum sound that they're trying to imitate and control is they're trying to, it's Zeppelin Four and it's Bonzo playing in those in that in that uh, castle okay, so okay. yeah because that was sort of the gold standard of you know drum sounds was like jesus christ listen yes. to bonzo's dr- listen <laughs> right, to that right, drum right. sound but right. you know the problem is of course you also had bonzo playing it so exactly had- exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> you put a uh, mere barry on that drum no, and or anybody you know there's no it's, it was him and it but it, it was, was also him, yeah. yeah you know the genius of jimmy page going you know, let's try let's try yeah. it in that room over there. Yeah. But you know, any drummer that goes into Stone Room is not going to sound like Phil Collins or sound like Terry Chambers, right? Right. Right. right exactly. Right. I mean, it, it's a drummer is going to have to learn the room and yeah. use it and to play it so that so right. play so that it doesn't tot- right because you can't the, he can't do a lot. You can't play a lot because right. it just goes it's just an insane amount of of of, of sound bouncing right. around right right you, right you would it would be like self-canceling uh noise canceling headphones if you had a whole bunch of if you had a whole bunch of crash crash symbols oh, or something that would work yeah, yeah right yeah. yep exactly. Could you imagine Fausto in that room Barry? yeah exactly <laughs> all right so this next one has a different feel uh, oh, yeah. sort of like a Middle Eastern feel uh, very interesting let's listen to Millions I think I've said it several times on the show, uh, referencing records that came out during this period. Every bass player had a chorus pedal in this, and it's oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, right. This right. is one of those ones that's got a chorus on the bass. I think you're right. There's a Middle Eastern, but he's trying. What he's trying to, lyrically, he's definitely the picture I get is of 
communist Chinese films. Yes, 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 yes. And um, the vibe that they have of this sort of symmetrical and unison and very organized um, uh, um, performances. Uh, and <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, you know, in looking at it in 2020, it may be a little, this might be, a, the lyrics might be a little offensive. <laughs> Am I, you know, you can see where I'm. I know, see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, it's almost like like do, doing a uh, voice, like doing a voice, like a yeah. yeah or it's you know like British, Chinese. the British casting aspersions or, or making observations about another culture, oftentimes yes, 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 come yes, across yes, yes. as, well, you know, it's not the kind of thing that we do. Um, and but the time, but it's also really it's it's my second favorite song on the record because it's musically so odd. It's, yeah, and it's really interesting. Yeah, it is, and it's just very. Uh, and the lyrics are cool too. I saw oh, you yeah. asking. I saw you asking for Western thinking. I yes. say it's poison that you'll be drinking. Stay <laughs> right. as east, as far away as dreams will let you be. Yeah, that's, that's a great lyric. That's, yeah. that's really. I mean, that's all of it is from obviously from the point of view of somebody who's never been there. You know, it, it exactly. Of, yeah, and and down to you know when when you're playing stuff in thirds to yeah. you know, get that Oriental sound. Yes, and, and I mean that's really you know that famous Jello, that black and white Jello commercial. You know that that has the baby trying to eat Jello with chopsticks and <laughs> and you know the Jello theme is in thirds. It's sort of it's like halfway between that Jello it, it, theme. It, it is. Yeah, and in contemporary, uh, the way we would look at another culture in, in a contemporary yeah. life. Yeah, I but mean, he's, he's 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 riffing on what he's seen and what he's able to know about, and also right. on you know Maoist China. Um, was 1979 so slightly post when did Mao I can't even remember when did the when did the era of Mao finally end was his wife in control at this point or but it was um once Nixon went things sort of there was sort of more of an opening um but this is cl- classically just you know picture uh, uh, the food from you know the your fire's cooking and there's this uh, right Feelings of crowded places and and yeah. and and, and, um, and, a, and a society where it's a very it's like a monoculture where everyone looks the same and everyone is um, yeah I is, think you're right Matt I think you're right though Matt I think he actually never was well haven't oh, been no. there yet absolutely <laughs> this, I mean this is not acknowledging all of the of the great scientific breakthroughs that had happened and you know it really is a Yes. Again, it's almost like you're looking at one of those BBC, yeah. uh, you know, travelogue. For sure. Well, he's a kid. Yeah. I mean, they're from they're from Swindon, yeah. so right. they're not even yeah. they're not from right. London. They're not from some you right. know sophisticated metropolis. Right. They're from the sticks. So these yeah. are it's like you know, Orlando. That's kind of like the Orlando of uh, England. Uh, back, yeah, <laughs> sort of at that time, sure. Uh, or, right. Orlando minus Disney, which I should also mention. <laughs> Matt Gorney and I worked together at uh, the um, Westgate Cafeteria at uh, Walt Disney really? World. Ah, interesting. Um, I think right, I, so- I think I might have been <clears throat> the unfortunately for Matt the one who suggested to him that uh, he come. Got him the job there. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, pitch it's it. true. I believe um, so. Yeah. All right. So this next one, I think, kind of harkens back to the earlier, a uh, punkier XTC yes. a little bit, right? Let's just do a, it's a great song though. Let's do a little bit of outside world. She has six months singing 
Okay, so that first, let me ask you real quick. That first line, he's saying she has six swans singing in her sauna, right? Yes. So she kind of, the, this entire time, for the past 30 years, I always thought he was saying she has sex while singing in the sauna. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be, that, that would be saying. more interesting, but that's too, that's not English enough. Yeah. Yes, right. right. Oh, so, right. yeah. That's a new Mondegreen. I had never yeah, heard that oh, one Exactly. Before. I just And I just learned that word yesterday. A Mondegreen, which is where Whoa. you hear a song uh, lyric wrong, and you think yeah, that right. it's uh, what, what he's saying. Until uh, just the other day when I was going over the lyrics, I said, holy fuck, I always thought he's saying she has sex all singing in I the have, song. I have a theory about this song, and is that the character, main character is actually Andy Partridge's medicated psyche, unmedicated. It's it's is the frenetic, oh, wow. the frenetic yeah. insanity and wild. This has got that. Well, he uh, does sound insane singing it. it yeah, but it's a, right. It's an about part. an insane character again. Yeah, but I yes, think the yes. insane character is him, and he's constructed this, okay, and he's using the good. um. What's this? It's like a what's the Christmas song where you got seven? You know the or, or nursery right. rhyme with the various counting things right. things going on. Twelve um, days of Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. Twelve days of Christmas. Exactly. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Right. 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 I, I am gonna uh, I'm gonna drop a hot take. Do You've it. been doing it. You've been doing it the yeah. whole episode. Uh, so go ahead. You know, in 1979, Led Zeppelin's "Middling in Through the Outdoor" came out, oh, and there was yeah. a song on there called "Hot Dog." Oh yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, you're right. Oh my God. You're it's absolutely like a, right. A quirkier version of "Hot Dog." It is. Oh, that guitar uh, thing. I yeah, can't yeah, uncouple yeah. these. Because of that, <laughs> I, I I I can see exactly That's where you're good. coming from. So, yep. if I if I was to be the revisionist, I I would put this on a soundtrack. Yeah, I would sell this to a soundtrack, and yeah. I would slide in say like Limelight off the mm-hmm. uh, uh, right or Chain of, or Chain of Command, right? You know, uh, whichever one you know uh, in the pacing worked better, or the you know the the key change between tracks. And develop those one of those songs a little further and slide it on on the record and it, Instead it's, of, yeah. it's a, this is it's my problem but I but this is my record and I can't get over it yeah okay. gotcha <laughs> you're love all right I have I have a, a for this next song here I just have something that that got in my head and I couldn't get it out listen to this song now uh, they were contemporaries but across the pond but they were contemporaries but this song reminds me of something Mission of Burma could yes. Do. Listen to Rose oh, go okay. to the grove and imagine Mission of Burma doing. It. I think what I, I agree with you, and I think that they're drinking from the same trough, whatever yes, trough exactly. that is. Exactly. All right, let's do it.
So this is my um, other second favorite song on the record. Uh, I have I don't want to put them in threes because I have two second favorite songs on the record, then one favorite song on the record. But the, <laughs> this is an amazing piece of work. Yeah, yeah. It is. Um, just the the visual imagery and the uh, uh, the the playing. Colin Moulding's bass playing on this is absolutely off the hook. Amazingly great. Yeah. Um, and he's really loud in the mix. He's right there in the middle. So they obviously knew this is something that's bringing this song together. And then this imagery of, um, which was something that um, kind of Wire had hit with uh, on the um, song on 154 about um, a map reference, where he's talking about these, you know, the division, the way the world is divided up. And now this is. There's, you think about these lines that are that are drawn across the globe, the girdling the globe, holding it together, um, but also clearly dividing one thing from another. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of annotation on this in the uh, complicated game book, by the way. Oh, okay, I have to check that out. And, and where he's talking about seeing this finished film that he's relating to uh, J.G. Ballard's crash, basically. Oh, yeah, these, yeah, right, these, yeah. These people with kind of like a, a, a car fetish. So it's kind of, there's also <laughs> this element of this car fetishism with this couple. Yeah, okay. Yes, right. In kind of an element of, of uh, Futurist Manifesto, you know, where you have this loud kind of cubist uh, timbre and rhythm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah and sure. It, it's all there in the song. You know, right, I mean, it is. It, uh, in in the playing and and the uh, the way the rhythms are are set up and there's one chord the the B part thing is heavy in this song with the guitars right there's um there's one chord he hits at the at the end of a descending line where he's playing an F chord and he's using but he's hitting the open E string and it resonates and it's obviously quote unquote wrong but it's perfect it's and he knows what he's doing um it really re- just a remarkable remarkable track and it's yeah. it, and maybe it's only perfect because trout mass replica existed well i mean yeah without trout mass replica this record doesn't exist I, it just yeah. doesn't there's no way i mean andy absorbs so much of the way those guitars in, in a much in a much more chaotically sounding and and uh, uh, aggressively dissonant way but it's the way they're it's still there it's it's in it's in the way that he's playing and that the guitars are arranged okay I will give you I will give you that I'm sure you're right I understand that but I, I will just want to go on record as saying is that I'm, I'd be fine just listening to this record and not having to listen well yeah to oh no no I, that's that's <laughs> definitely that's just me though that's yeah, just me sure. but no, I do no. see what you're saying one couldn't have come without the you, other I'm you sure. might not sure you know true. people people there's you know lots of people who heard this record that never heard Trout Mask Replica right and if they heard it wouldn't go oh that sounds just like yeah. uh, uh, Drums yeah. and Wires by XTC but it, it it is there, you know. That gives me anxiety. Trapman's rec- replica gives me anxiety. <laughs> this, this record doesn't give me anxiety. All Understood. Right, so speaking of uh, anxiety, now we oh, have a yeah. song based on a on a German uh, a children's book, apparently, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine this. Imagine this sung in German. Then you really. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the little story of Scissorman. Oh. Evil do 
Jewish girl. Snippet, 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 ghost of Scissorman. Maybe you are in his book of names. Maybe you are in his book of names. Book of names. Yeah, exactly. So, what what is the actual story? Do you know the name of the story? This is supposedly taken from. It's called. Go for it. No, I don't. The story of the thumb sucker. (laughs) Really? (laughs) In which a scissor wielding man cuts off a child's thumbs because he sucks them too much. (laughs) That sounds very classically. Yes, that's. It is such a hilarious story we have. Exactly. Exactly. Then that German laugh, I worked but for. It's, uh, yeah. But it's appropriately <laughs> sinister. But it's appropriately sinister sounding. Oh, it, it is. Oh, it's, it's it's distinctly sinister, and you get the feeling of one of those, um, like a uh, um, the German expressionist films from the early twenties, like yeah. you know Caligari or or or, or Nosferatu, yeah. and just imagine you know with one of those sets, and there's some guy with scissors that's you yes. know chasing little children around, and the wounds will never heal. So yeah, you know, it's evil. It's a evil. It's very dark. This it little is. track. And the guitars are great. Incredible they sort of guitar tell, The guitars tell the story as much as the singing does. They do. They and sort it, of play along with his singing. Yeah, and really, really, really good guitar playing. Not fake, oh. not not just, you know, like extremely, um, they're so not good. easy stuff to play. No. Um, but it's, right. still, it's still a jaunty fun song. Oh, it and, is. And, yes. And, it's just an evil, the way, evil jaunty. Jaunty is a good word. Yes. Right. <laughs> and by the way, for me, this was the song. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So the last half of the story is my friend Tom buys the record. We all get distributed back to our houses from the one car, yep. which was like a 65 Chevelle, yep. by the way. Oh, yeah, right. We all get back home. We start. To, we open our records and start to play them. My phone rings about... 20 minutes later maybe maybe an hour later because uh, it was on site too and he uh-huh. goes come over come over now just get in the car and come over oh, I, yeah, walked the two yeah, yeah. I walked into the house he drops the needle on this song and we were just both like yeah. we we have found yeah the this path. is it this is it yeah for sure. And there's the toward the end. There's all those the dub effects on there. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, well, he's, yes, yeah, yeah. Right. He's doing again dub reggae and ska are in there, but not in a way that's in any way 
funky or black at all. It's like right. they listened right. to it and they totally translated it to Swindon. You not know? the way the uh, Clash, like not no, the way the Clash no, not at, reggae did it no, right. Yeah, not Clash, at all. Clash kept it authentic and everything, and these this guys is know just, totally this convoluted has got it. The, this is the vocabulary, but it, it, in a totally... Right, uh, a totally l- rural English way. Swindon, they Swindonized it exactly. And even though I had heard, I had heard reggae dub, dub no, and and right. so you know, hearing this and like the second side of the black market clash, ten inch. Yep, I was introduced to dub through these English groups, exactly. as so many people were, and right. and you know, it, it was like I didn't know what dub was, but they were. This was the. The entry into dub for me. Yeah, it's um, but it's it's so skewed that unless you unless you are familiar with it, you wouldn't know where it came. You wouldn't you trace it. Wouldn't no, be able to trace. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, even worse, driving me further off the path was this: the you know the record that is the adjunct to this, the Mister Partridge Lure of Salvage Takeaway record. Right. You know that came out in the next within the next year. Right. And and my friend Chris bought that one and we listened. And so I have an even more warped introduction to dub <laughs> beyond this. That record was next. And we understood like they're using other music to make this yeah. experimental music. And and that was my introduction to dub. Without ever having heard King Tubby without or, or ever having heard any of those records. Yes. Yeah, right. right. All right, so we get the awesome, menacing album Closer. Uh, this is Andy Partridge at his paranoid best. Uh, and a song quite appreciated for today, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's listen to it. Well, a little this, bit. Is, this, is, this is my favorite song by the, oh, the band. I love, their entire, I love in their song. entire catalog. If I had to pick one, Complicated Game it, is, it's is the song. It's just a complicated game. Up of tension 
and yes, yes, and frustration, obvious, um, heartfelt frustration on the part of the songwriter with um, the way things get, <laughs> the way your album gets resequenced for the U.S. market, and you have no <laughs> yeah, input yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, whatsoever. Right. right. Yeah. It doesn't modulate when it should modulate. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, there's no. all that, and that he's creation singing, of yeah, 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 yeah. And he's doing, and apparently the vocals are, is a one take. It's, this is, yeah. there was one take and that was it. And, and the, the guitar Lincoln, solo, he played. The guitar solo, he didn't listen to it. He, no. he was playing the solo and not along to the song, which yep. is playing it. Yeah, which is great. Oh, so good. And and one thing I just discovered in, in doing the research on it, did you know when he says the uh, Tom, when he mentions Tom and Joe in it, he, he randomly mentions Tom and Joe, and that referring to Tom Robinson and Joe, and Strummer, Joe Strummer. Yes. Just because he was reading a random uh, article. NME. He yeah. was reading NME, and he yeah. thought, yeah, Tom and exactly. Joe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this song so yeah, much. Yeah, it's it's a fan, and this to me as a as a kid listening to it, this yes. always this song always yeah, yeah. scared me a little bit. Like, wow, yes. this is yes. really. And the, the older I got, the more I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, right, this right. is the song. This yeah. is what, you know, he's, he's, he's nailed it. By with, the end of it, he's just so incredibly, like, just so frantic and yeah. desperate. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember listening to this as a teenager and like fucking what? Just what? Fucking yeah, this one's away. really, yeah, this is very, this is a, this is, um, this as a song teenager's. Is, Barry, as teenagers, we're blown away, but now we listen to it and we just go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly right. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he was doing this, how old was Andy at the time? Yeah, you know. He was in his 20s, yeah. <laughs> so. And then, yeah. so we, um, and I don't know if they, maybe they played this live? I don't know. I can't, it's, uh, I've never heard it on it. No, it's I such see. an intense c- creation um, that it, it sort of it, it it's it fits on the record, but it is it does sort of stand apart as like in their in their in their catalog as well as something that's um, sort of um, a weird little odd shape. Um, well, you need it, it's almost like it's like Killing Joke's change, where the echo is such a big important part of the production of the song. Right. Yeah, that you would need it for the live. For exactly, it to work. you would be in that room. Yeah, and uh, yes. the, the funny thing about this was, I was thinking when we were listening to it, was another band that had an album that came out with a weird song on it like this in 1979 was um, the song. Gonna Raise Hell by Cheap Trick off of um, Dream Police where you go, what the fuck was that? Yes. Like in the middle of this like Cheap Trick record, hey, you know, Cheap Trick songs and kind of there's some disturbing undercurrent. This is really dark. No, this is really dark. Where was that song placed on the album? Side two. Gotta be, Gonna Raise Hell's gotta be on side two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they had Dream Police record. That band was so hot. Oh, absolutely. But all of a sudden, you're like, what? Yep, yep. I remember you were DJing one night in a bar, and you you played that. And and I was like, wait, I I don't even remember it being like this intense. It is. And they claim it's not about mass murder or mayhem or anything, but it's about mass murder and mayhem. (laughs) It is, for sure. Yeah, Robin Zander, he doesn't know. Well, Well, you know, that whole precedent was created. (laughs) You know, doing this to your record was created, you know, 
I think by Revolver, by putting Tomorrow Never Knows yeah. on the on the back end, almost yeah. like a, it's the safe place to put it. But you can also have it make a statement, a summary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you know, Tomorrow Never Knows is is you know is all about possibility and spiritual enlightenment. And this is just this is like somebody's like industrial, dirty politics, and yeah, exactly. And and right. gonna raise hell's about. You know, to me, it's about, you know, the Manson family. Uh, gonna raise hell. And right, that kind of thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're, we'll talk real quickly. You did get the bonus single in there. And, you know, at first I was thinking, do I know these songs? But then listening to them, I go, oh, yeah, I know both these songs. I, I know them. Uh, the first one, definitely uh, another throwback one. Could have fit on white music or go-to, I think. Uh, Chain of Command. So definitely a, th- a throwback sound, right? But still, uh, yeah, great song though. Jaunty, really. but uh, you know, it's uh, um, well, yeah. Compare it to making plans for Nigel, right? Which you know, he he, you know, Andy Partridge says in the complicated game he recalls working on for four or five days. This is like half a day. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's basic tracks with a couple of overdubs. Yep, yeah, and exactly. they didn't. There is no ornament, no, in, in any studio ornament added to it. But it's it hangs. It does. It hangs. It's, it's you a could good one. slide it in in other places on this record, and it would it would fit in. It would be like, right. oh yeah, that yeah, I remember that. Yeah, sure. In fact, is it um, on the English release? I didn't even. I don't have the track listing in front of me. But it is there. There are some substitutions on the on when it first came out in, in England, right? Oh, I've got a page up. I'd have to look at the. There's so many various versions. Yeah, I don't think right. you know, there are. There yeah. are a lot of different versions. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Actually, this was a single, so it was a freestanding one. I don't think this was on the either of these was on the British one yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, it's just a seven inch extra. Really, it was never a release. Okay. To be on the exactly. chart. Got exactly. It. Yeah. And then the next one, of course, they have to have they have Andy Partridge, so they have to have a Colin Molding right. song. Uh, yeah, it's only right. Uh-huh. 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 
Um, and then, but yeah, Limelight, this is them finally tasting some success, right? And they, with all the little trappings and pitfalls that success brings. Or, uh, or maybe dealing with people who, opening for bands who have tasted the Limelight and it has not done them any favors. Oh, right, they're observing, oh, the other bands. Yeah, but there's a good, there's a great line in here where it says, I'm in love. I'm in the limelight. He says, I'm in love with myself. Please don't break the spell or give to someone else. <laughs> I'm a success, at least for a short while. I make decisions, influence people. Yeah. And this is right. They're neophytes here. I mean, they put out two albums, but they haven't. Yeah, yeah, right, uh, um, right. Had they, when did they first hit the States? Was it after this? This? I, you know what? I was going to go see them. They were going to play at the... Agora Ballroom in, uh, I guess, Hollandale um, on the Drums and Wires tour. And they did not they did not play that show. They ended up not playing for some reason. And I think it was because Andy Partridge did not. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Very close. And now, you know, the Agora Ballroom, you know what it, it houses now. It's a strip club, right? The Cheetah Lounge. That's <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> well, there so, you go. Yeah, my my XTC sadness to this day was Black Sea Tour. Yeah, and I was I with my college roommate who is still not uh, absolved of this. Yeah. Uh, on the we had planned on going, and he had he had white music. He he was uh, like seven years older than me. He was like an old man. Sure. <laughs> and he had the car, and we were going to have to drive to Albany, New York, to JB Scott's, and I was going to see Black Sea Tour. And I walk back from my afternoon class, walk in the room, and he cancels. Oh! What happened? Uh, we act kind of actually kind of we're not friends oh <laughs> after that that was it huh? yeah. it's more complicated he was cheating on his fiance oh, and oh, my okay. roommate and i weren't covering well enough for him and this may have actually been him getting back at me uh, for not covering him for him you violated the bro code the, the bro code <laughs> oh. i will oh, say i'm gonna yeah i will say there's some live footage from the black sea tour and it was odd to watch because it's very much more of a produced, like there's a set, like an actual physical set that they're playing oh, on. Oh, right. They had the, uh, yeah, yeah. And they had it, the some of the, um, it's a little odd. This, it seems a little forced and strange. Um, and maybe that was Andy <laughs> trying to cope with, you know, this the, having everything yeah, maybe thought if i could just be an actor in a thing and not really that's exactly uh, play a role. that's, that's yeah. exactly right because what you expect to see is just sort of this bare stage and lights and you know their amps like you would yeah. see the elvis costello in the attractions or whatever whoever was around at that time the way people would play right. and, and it's it not, not like that, that. it's it's a, no. it's a it's a little bizarre so yeah, maybe you missed something great, and maybe you didn't. Hard to say. But, maybe not. That's but you know, divorce the 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 visuals from the audio of those live shows. And oh the yeah, band is burning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were still, at the end of the day, they were all exceptional musicians, great musicians, uh, great songwriters, and just this is a great record. So thank you, uh, thanks again, Matt, so much. I'm so glad we got to do this record, and glad we got to do it with you. Who knew someone from Orlando would be that uh, well spoken? Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh wait, Barry uh, and mind. Nadim <laughs> and Tony and uh, 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 um, Holly Tavel, and uh, so you know we have had a few guests from Orlando that you might, yeah. wanna, might want yeah. to reconsider your. Uh, yeah. I'm a friend. Uh, it's a running. It's a running gag, and you can't it stop it now. Yeah, I'm from Queens, so I can't really Bayside <laughs> Queens. So who am I to say? Right. Um, all right. So next week, I uh, we briefly mentioned this band, but we are doing another touchstone band we are, we are doing mission of burma versus the versus album oh yeah yeah with our friend returning guest todd phillips you know him from uh bola volta and the juliana hatfield three and the lemonheads uh he's a, gr- a great guest and he's a um very interesting cat yes and uh that's gonna be great uh mission of burma one of my all-time favorite yep. uh american bands yep um all right so don't forget uh go to patreon.com forward slash trjmh you become a patron just like our brand new patron rory cox uh on uh instagram it's at that record got me high and uh facebook that record got me high and also that facebook group got me high we could you could see me and barry often post humorous little things that sure. we think are funny we think they're funny yeah <laughs> and uh you can email us at trg uh trgmh33 at gmail or Hey assholes at thatrecordgotmehigh.com. Once again, that's, that's more fun. Uh, that's the more. <laughs> hey assholes at thatrecordgotmehigh.com. That that's is the, the email address. Email. It is. Yes. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, where you can again, let, let it all hang out, like the ombres say. So Matt, thank you once again for being a guest. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you're, uh, you know, excited for the new year coming. It's got to be better than this past. Got to be. Gotta be. All right. Once again, we are That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We'll see you guys next week. We are out. <laughs>